Nightmerica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash nightmerica. And please tell your friends about us. Welcome to Nightmerica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because, to paraphrase Ray Parker Jr., whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhoods. Episode 25, Post Offices, Handle with Scare. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, do you like that one? I do. I like that one. Do you have a another one? No, a postal like, pun. No, a, that's your area. You know what I mean. I just appreciate it. I'm appreciate that you appreciate it. I feel like there's probably another one that's a little bit on the nose for a postal pun, but um, you know, cool. going postal. Uh, I don't think that's what we're going for. <laughs> that's more of a negative connotation. But anyhow. It, it has a really negative connotation, and it stems from where my story is based out of today. I'm going to tell you the story behind it. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, welcome to Nightmerica. I'm Aaron Sagers, Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera. This is the podcast. That's Britt. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, we're going to dive in. It really seems like we should have some sort of more formal intro. This is like the, the chit chat that so many popular podcasts do Yeah, when they're the, a lot of podcasts start the, the chit chat before you even hear the intro. I know. Do you want to do that? I don't know. Just, I kind of like our the, setup. Yeah. You like the rhythm? I do. But yeah. it's more important what you guys all think. Let us know. You guys out there in podcast yep. land. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, how are you doing this week, Britt? I'm good. I can't complain. You know, I'm having a pretty easy go of things lately. So a lot of people aren't. So I feel lucky and just try to appreciate my life. Okay. That's <laughs> that <good>. got deep. <laughs> It was. It's very philosophical. I was just kind of going for like, I'm good. I had some Indian takeout food. Well, you don't eat Indian food. I don't eat Indian food. I'm a very no. picky eater. I eat like a child, listeners. I was a child and I was not a picky eater. You are like a picky child eater. But like not really because I love lentil soup and like I grew up eating escargot. Okay, <laughs> lentil soup does not make you not a picky eater if that's your benchmark for i'm not a picky eater because i eat lentil soup that's like my mac and cheese i don't eat mac and cheese because why texture no i just don't really like it i would rather have like a red sauce pasta mac and cheese especially like the mac and cheese like sort of processed food mac and cheese even though everybody's sort of down on processed food, mac and cheese, like Kraft mac and cheese, was revolutionary in the development of sort of our modern society, especially like when it was like it's a, it was a hearty meal, right? Out of a box, this processed yeah. food, even though we're so down on processed food, it, it allowed a lot of stay-at-home moms in the 50s and 60s to be able to whip up like this hefty meal. And then that still allowed them enough time to start pursuing careers or, or hobbies and get out of the house. So by by you rejecting Mac and cheese, it's like you're rejecting feminism itself. 
I'm not rejecting feminism. Listen, my grandma was totally one of those women. She took like a microwave cooking class and we actually still make one of her corn pudding recipes from this class today. We're all about it. I just personally don't like mac and cheese. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. <laughs> so picky eater. Doesn't like mac and cheese. Doesn't like Indian food. Don't like food. Indian food. Although I did have Thai the other day and I really liked it. Okay, good. Thai food so. is great. Well, listeners, I eat everything. So I am not the picky eater on Nightmarica. Yeah. True. Including lentil soup. So there you go. Anyhow... <laughs> This took a very strange turn. Weird already. turn. Yeah. But we are going to the post office. We're stamping a letter to the post office in this yeah. episode. But but before we get into that topic, before we dive too much into why we're talking about it, should we check in on some news of the weird, paranormal, strange, bizarre? Let's do it. I am so fascinated by my story this week. That's um, good. My, it's not like weird or paranormal, but it absolutely has to do with true crime. And even one of the stories we did in the past where a girl was murdered off of a Tinder date. Um, you might have seen, I shared this as one of our stories, but I'll, I'll kind of re-say it for the podcast. Samantha Hills is from Chicago. Uh, and she was on Hinge and matched with a guy named Matthew DeRolf. Uh, he's also from Chicago, claims to be 33 years old. We don't know if this is his actual name. Um, it's like another Dirty John situation. He impersonated a CIA officer, claimed that he was going to be retiring, claimed to be living in the Trump Tower. But he was a really good con artist. Like, she really believed him. These men know what they're doing. Um, and so once he decided to retire and move out of Trump Tower, he asked to move in with her. Once he did, he installed cameras all over her apartment, like a new security system, but refused to give Samantha like the passwords and all of the information. At first, she felt like kind of relieved, like, oh, you know, I'm dating this guy. He's really making sure I'm safe. He's going to split costs. But then things like changed really fast and uh, he turned to be kind of a jerk and wouldn't split anything with her, kept all of his money. And she started noticing like he would say he's going to work, but he didn't. Um, so she forced him to move out, kind of cornered him, changed the locks and was telling a friend about what was happening in her life. And he was like, okay, wait, this happened to a really good female friend of mine is his name, Matthew DeRolf. And she's like, uh, yes. So she's made her story public. 22 women and two men have come forward. The FBI are also involved um, because he did this in three different states. And the totals of his crimes are $400,000. Um, I'll post his picture and Samantha's information on social media in case any of our listeners know about it because we have a huge listener base in Chicago. Um so just be cautious on these dating apps, guys. It's like a scary world out there. But also, like, don't be afraid because there are good people out there. But, like, I don't know. It's scary. It is scary. That's a that's an interesting story. It sounds like the basis of a definitely like a horror movie or suspense movie. Well, it's just like Dirty John, the, yeah. like, TV show that was based on a real story. Yeah. Um. I have a different story. Sorry, I'm somewhat distracted today. Here's definitely a moment of oversharing for our listeners. Oh my God, you like never I, overshare. Well, I'm going to overshare. I feel like I have an eyelash growing out of the top of an <laughs> eyelid. I have a mutant eyelash, I think, that is growing beyond. I already have pretty long eyelashes. And I can confirm. And... They've always been sort of the bane of my existence, but now they're no longer content to exist solely on the tip of the eyelid where eyelashes normally grow. I feel like one is actually it's migrating. Like so, into yeah, your eyeball? Out no, out of the top of the eyelid. I think this is something that happens when you get older. Just random hair starts sprouting yeah. places, including a rogue eyelash out of the top of the eyelid. So. 
But that's not that that is strange news, but that's not my <laughs> my news of the weird. Instead, mine I is I wish it was. Yeah, it's just like personal news. Um personal weird news, folks. Uh this actually comes from Yahoo Sports. I don't know why it's Yahoo Sports. I have not made that connection yet. But so eh, okay, so this, the the title is Company Offers Unconventional Solution to Sell Ghost-Plagued Homes. And basically, this article at Yahoo Sports, again, don't know why it's a sports article. <laughs> I sold my house.com, which is a real website. They conducted a survey of 5,000 Americans and found that 55% of those surveyed believe in ghosts or spirits. Typically, that number is, uh, I would say, around 35-40% on a lot of other studies I've seen out there. But 55% of their 5,000 surveyed believe in ghosts and spirits, and and 36% claim to have had their own paranormal encounter in their lifetime. Okay. So that's that's laying the groundwork. I sold my house.com. They're getting free advertising here. Well, using that information, they have said, well, we're going to help you if you're trying to sell a haunted house because 61% of the people surveyed said they would not buy a house that they thought was haunted. And... According to their own internal data, a property will stay on the market 133 days longer if there are reports of paranormal activity there. So, I sold my house.com. That's like the fourth time I'm saying it. I'm really getting free advertising. The real estate company is offering this solution that if you think you have a ghost in your house, you can register for a virtual visit from a home exorcist who will, supposedly this psychic medium has 23 years of experience and will provide a video consult to assess the situation and give homeowners advice on how to cleanse the space of supernatural entities before putting the house on the market, and those recommendations might include prayer or repositioning of objects, lighting incense, or more, and that every case will be judged individually and provided with a unique solution. Now, I will say that the reporter of this story, Kelsey Weekman, is the person that wrote this, I, I like Kelsey's approach because they're a bit cheeky uh, with this with this article right up. But they Kelsey did try to reach out to the home exorcist for an interview, but the the company was not able to provide them for the interview. Apparently, they're a little on the shy mm-hmm. side, which means that they're great at vanquishing ghosts, but are not up for an interview. But mm-hmm. obviously. There's, this is this is cute. This is funny. I definitely think that it's a publicity gimmick by the website to get some clicks, and and it'll probably work because here we are talking about it on yeah. America. But it is. Would you buy you know, a haunted house? Would I? Yeah. Oh God, mo- most certainly. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not I mean, the right people to ask. And and not even not because. Not because of the appeal of like, ooh, I'm going to buy a house that's haunted. More like, if you're going to buy a house, like, if it's haunted, not haunted. And and again, I've said this many times, ghosts are not known for filling out surveys and censuses. So you don't know whether you got a ghost or not in there. You could have one just because you don't think it's haunted. But, yeah. but And if it's a good house, screw it. Yeah, I'll take the ghost totally. along with it. And have you, I forget, have you been in New Orleans? No, I really well, New or- want to go. You should. We should. Um, New Orleans, the, one of the things that it's also a bit of a gimmick, though. But something that some people take seriously is when they're renting or selling houses or apartments, on the for rent sign, there will be sometimes placards that say, not haunted. Oh. So 
you know, they, they kind of advertise that, but interesting. The only thing I would say is like, it really depends on the kind of ghosts that you're going to have. Cause let's say no joke. I don't think I've told anybody this recently. No joke. The other day I was taking a shower and I heard a noise in my bathroom and uh, long story short, I poked my head out of the shower after hearing some things and the water was on full blast on the basin, on the basin. And, what? and sure, it's possible that I had somehow washed my hands before getting in the shower and forgot to turn off the water. It's not happened before. But yeah, the, the water in the basin was on full blast. <gasps> and I turned it off. And my whole thing was like, and I did say this out loud, actually, because this is just the type of person I am. I'm like, look, if, if, if someone's here, if there's a ghost here or whatever... You want to talk to me? Fine. Let's talk. But let's not run. Let's not waste water. Yeah, don't let's waste water. Water bill. Yeah. Uh, you so, going to pay the water bill? Right. And so my thing is, if you're going to have a ghostly roommate, I don't want one that's going to like, what, leave the refrigerator door open? Oh, hell That's no. going to leave the lights on? That's going to eat my food? Or I would like one that would make me a cocktail totes or soup like that Adele ghost we talked about who makes soup in that house thank you for the reminder because I was like that's a very odd connection to make Brit (laughs) soup is this a lentil soup thing the ghost is like well I know my human roommate is a picky eater so I will make her lentil soup my mom will make me soup in the afterlife I promise you really yeah my mom like only makes soup and then she'll carry it across the planes of existence in like some sort of spectral Tupper Tupperware. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. So this, we, we should probably delve into this whole ghostly roommate thing again. Would you have one? Oh yeah. I mean, you and I both grew up in haunted houses, so this is not unusual to us, but I, I have think, no problem with it. Yeah. Trying to think of the other things that I would want to make certain. I'm looking around my apartment right now. You want to make certain, yeah, don't break stuff. I mean, I just have a trouble with roommates, period. I have lived, we both have lived by ourselves for a while. Like the idea yes. of sharing a space with someone again, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's spooky in of itself. Yeah, I don't approve. I don't, I turn off the water. I wash my hands frequently and I turn off the water. I don't just leave it on. Like oh my I'm god, like in Barney, they sang that song, Never Let the Water Run, you know? That's like in no. my head from childhood. No. Well, that's our age difference. Well, even even without the age difference, the bar, the purple dinosaur never appealed to me. Although, when I was way too old and definitely not the target demographic for Barney, <laughs> I do believe that my grandmother sent me a Barney oh. birthday gift. And Bless. Yeah. Um I was like probably 16 or something. Uh, That's so sweet. But I was like too old for Barney and too young to find it ironically amusing. So, <laughs> yes. So I, it was really a missed, missed gift for me. Anyhow. So <laughs> let's say we, uh, before we let's talk a little bit about the topic, cause there's, there's a podcast happening here. Not just idle chit chat. People are, I know. Can you that. believe we're talking about the post office. And yeah. post office is obviously under siege right now. Support the post office. Buy some oh stamps. Oh, my God. Love it. I was at the post office today. I love the post office. I love the services the post office offers. I'm not going to act like it's exciting for me to go to the post office. But I did definitely grow up in a time, and I think that's probably carried over to my profession, like, where I loved getting pieces of mail. Now love I get it. a lot of bills, but like I still love getting cards and and now I get goodies in the mail, like press packages and whatnot. Yeah, and, I don't get any of these press packages. Well, you're not press, that's why. <laughs> True. <laughs> might be part part of the reason there. My grandfather worked for the post office, uh, and Really? So did my there. grandpa. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. 
I didn't know that about you. That's exciting. We're having such a great moment right We're now. We're learning things. Yes. <laughs> and did he retire from the in the in the states, I guess so. Yeah, right. I so I should know that. I don't. This is also the grandpa that was an air traffic controller. So I'm guessing he retired from air traffic controlling and then went on to be a postal driver. And it was in a rural area, so it was like he just had his own car. But the driver side was actually moved to the right side so that he could drop mail. So, like, that was, like, the cool thing for my mom growing up. Like, her dad had this, like, cool fitted-up car. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that was, like, how a lot of the postal workers when I was a kid, they're they're set up as well. And then I did live in some rural areas where – they just drove whatever, drove their own vehicle. They didn't have an official mail truck, but, you know, they were dedicated to that. But so the interesting paranormal connection to the post office. Well, there's I mean, I'm, there, there's actually a few of these, but I was thinking about this in the movie Men in Black 2. I'm guessing you've not seen it. No, nope, you see Men in Black not. 1. Yes. Okay. Men in Black 2, Agent K, played by Tommy Lee Jones, he's, his memory is wiped, and then he's sent to work in the post office in Truro, Cape Cod. Truro? And Truro. I, I, I don't oh. know how you pronounce it. It's, I think it's I thought it was T-R-U-R-O. Churros. Oh. No, no, not Churros. I love Cape Churros. Churros um, <laughs> and lentil soup. The I think Truro. Truro? Truro. And anyhow, so Will Smith's character come in, comes in there and he's trying to convince him that there's aliens exist. And then Will Smith tells him that just about everyone who works at the post office is an alien. And there's this big reveal scene where you have like Biz Marquis, the rapper, communicating via beat. And, and everybody takes off their face and everything. They're all aliens in the post office. So wow. maybe it's true. But... But we have some stories connected to the post office we're going to get into. But first, how about hearing from the first of our sponsor? Nightmarica is excited to announce we have a new sponsor, Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have a really big fan of Manscaped. But not a man, a Sasquatch. From the Florida Everglades, let's welcome Skunk Ape to the show. Thanks for joining, Mr. Ape. Oh, Skunk is fine, just fine. That's uh, that's what my friends call me. Even though you're an elusive cryptid, you're able to have a social life? Oh, sure, sure. Wood booger, yeah, we mow, mow, wendigo, mow, galong. We all, we all hang out. Well, that's great. With all those friends, it's probably important to look your best. We take a lot of pride in how we look uh, in the Sasquatch community, especially a uh, since, uh, as you can imagine, there ain't a whole heck of a lot of us out there, so it gets pretty darn competitive getting attention from the lady squatches. So the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped has a durable, skin-safe ceramic blade when you groom your, uh, squatchy regions. Don't you know it? That Lawnmower 3.0 holds an edge, so I'm less likely to nick my nugs. It's happened before, and it ain't pretty. There's blood everywhere. Everyone down in the glades heard me howl out that one time. Whoop whoop! That's what that's what it sounded like when I nicked my nugs, but not with this lawnmower 3.0. Dude, that's intense. I have certainly been there. It is no fun at all. Skunky, I imagine grooming down there probably takes a lot of time because you're a pretty big guy. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Big shoes? Big balls! Yep, right sizable. Sasquasticles. Big old ones. But with them lithium-ion batteries I can charge that puppy up on the USB dock, I can use it for 90 minutes. It's even waterproof, so I can fire it up in the glades and take a good long time getting my squashticles right where they needs to be. Well, with that waterproof technology, that's got to be helpful in the glades. Or even for a human like me who uses the shower. Is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 getting you noticed down there? Only in the right ways. All the lady squatches or, or men, no no judgment, they take notice. But I can still stay hidden because with that quiet stroke technology, it does not make a lot of noise and attract unwanted look-a-loos. And that's a very important part of the squatch code. You gotta stay undercover, you know. I can even groom up my squashticles in the middle of the night. 
because it's got an LED light on it, so you can see where your Patterson and Gimlin are. It's a memorable pair. And speaking of memorable pairs, you also like the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Well, you might have heard I have a bit of an odor issue, hence the nickname Skunky. And with the Florida humidity, uh, I can smell pretty darn ripe down there. So I use that Manscaped Ball Deodorant to, to make the squashicles smell fresh as a daisy and the ball toner to freshen up when skunk turns to funk. Maybe we should start calling you flowers instead of skunky. Well, skunky, if you or your Squatch Buddies or any listeners out there want to groom safely and who doesn't, Head over to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA for 20% off plus free shipping off your order. For one more time, that's... Squatchscaped. No, no it's not. It's Manscaped. Manscaped. The right tools for the job. And we're back. And we have a story to tell. And Britt, why don't you... Why don't you go first and tell your postal spooky postal story? Sounds good. Well, as I hinted to earlier, I am telling the story of how we got the phrase going postal. Uh, it starts out near us over in New Jersey. Um, so a man by the name of Joseph Harris was born in Trenton, New Jersey um, in 1956 as the second oldest of 10 children. That's a lot of kids. Um, however, he wasn't really close with his family. His cousin described him as a quiet kid who was really into martial arts, guns, and explosives. Um, honestly, this could describe like a lot of little boys, but when you're writing the script for a true crime podcast, it is an eerie start to the tale I'm about to tell. Um, Joseph served in the Navy as a machine repairman from 1974 to 1977, and then he was discharged for unknown reasons. Um, he didn't contact his family, however. He just, like, moved in on his own and just kind of did his own thing. In 1981, he started working as an overnight mail clerk in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Um, and in 1990, he was 35 and still working at the same position. So it's been nine years. Uh, and he now reports to a 30-year-old woman named Carol Ott. In February of that year, Carol filed a report with the police accusing Joseph Harris of harassment while at work. She didn't specify the type of harassment it was, um, except that it wasn't sexual. And she did not consult a lawyer prior to filing. The police did some digging and didn't find anything too specific from coworkers, except that he and Carol didn't really get along. One of them was quoted in the New York Times saying they were kind of like oil and water, um, but that Joseph was tense and sullen. After filing the report, Carol then requested Joseph to complete a fitness for duty exam. Uh, which in the post service is a physical and psychological test to see if someone's able to complete their job adequately. Joseph refused and was then fired by Thomas Johnson, who was the chief inspector of New Jersey post offices at that time. 18 months later, on October 10th, 1999, as the day is just dawning, uh, Joseph wakes up writes a two-page manifesto on how he plans to seek revenge for his firing. In the letter, he references a shooting at a post office in Oklahoma in 1986, just uh, five years earlier, um, where a former employee killed 14 people before killing himself. So he writes that letter, and from there, Joseph dresses in black military fatigues, a gas mask, a bulletproof vest, and a black silk ninja mask. He also strapped on, and I quote this from the New York Times because it's insane, a 9mm Uzi handgun, a 22 caliber machine gun with a silencer, a samurai sword, three hand grenades, and some homemade bombs. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. That's a terrifying dude. Um, 
He then drives to his former boss, Carol Ott's house, where he murders her and her boyfriend, Cornelius Caston Jr., who she lived with. Um, There's no sign of sexual assault again. They don't think it was a sexually motivated crime, just spiteful. Um, But she had been violently killed with the samurai sword. The injuries she sustained, they said, were really horrifying. Um, after this, he then drives 10 miles east to his former job where he goes in and murders two mail carriers, Joseph M. Vanderpaw, who is 59, and Donald McNaught, who was 63, which is like, oh my god. Like, these are men that, like, are probably like our grandfathers. Like, they had mm-hmm. their families. It just made me really sick when I read that. Um And so this is all, like, while the day is just dawning. It's now 2.15 a.m. So this all started at, like, midnight, I'm guessing. Um, At 2.15 a.m., a man by the name of Marcello Collado was a truck driver, and he was delivering mail to be sorted and pulled up to this post office's and noticed all of the lights out and all of the doors shut, including, like, where he would load his truck. Um, It's super unusual. Normally, like, things are up and moving, getting going at this time. So he goes into the building and finds Joseph wandering, and Joseph fires at Marcello, and Marcello runs away to the nearby police department, which was just, like, a block over, thank God, and he notifies them of the active shooter. Five minutes later, the two cops are there to get Joseph, Um, but instead of being able to apprehend him, he just starts hurling his homemade hand grenades at them. Um, they put a full lockdown on the building. They don't let anyone in and squat, squat, SWAT and negotiators are called in to kind of diffuse the scene and talk Joseph down. Um, they're able to get Joseph out of the building alive at 7 a.m. So that's now like a five-hour-long standoff. But thank God they were able to catch it so quickly, and no one but those two men uh, were in the building at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, he's apprehended. um, And I don't want to make light of the situation, but something that kind of made me chuckle after, like, reading these intense articles was that police had gone to Joseph's apartment during this five-hour standoff, um, to like search his apartment, see what was there. But Mrs. Johnson, the owner of the building, refused to give them a key without a warrant. And like such like a New Jersey, New York City, like tough landlord situation. Um, but it actually turned out that Joseph had set grenades all over his apartment. So had they entered, the entire place would have exploded. Um, and Mrs. Johnson told the New York Times, if I did what the police asked me to do and I gave them the key, we would all be dead now. So to Mrs. Johnson, I know I loved her too. She needed a shout out in this story. Um, He was convicted and was sentenced to the death penalty, um, but he actually died of natural causes before it was ever executed. I did some searching. I couldn't figure out exactly what were these natural causes? Because he was only 35 years old. He was young. Um, but he did die in prison before he was able to be executed. But there were like a lot of the kind of postal service murders kind of in this era. There was the one before in Oklahoma. And this is kind of where the term going postal comes from. Yeah, and it's it's an un... I mean, I think it's kind of fallen out of favor. It was certainly, it was a term that was used a lot during this this time, but I don't really hear it anymore. But it's also, it's an unfair label because it really just paints postal workers, you know, a broad brush as this unstable. I mean, postal workers have have had to deal with a lot of crappy stereotypes in addition to that but you know there's like Newman from Seinfeld and I guess Cliff Clavin from Cheers wasn't a bad guy but he was a bit of a you know bit of a know-it-all dolt and but 
the yeah so the going postal term like we certainly don't we're we're not saying it it's it's no it was something that was certainly part of culture but um i think yeah, i think it's really it's just a thing anymore yeah it's sort of been retired um my uh my uh, like it's funny because i think a lot of my early thoughts about the post office were really about sort of these heroes or at least friendly characters because the guy that we had on my block where when i was growing up on george street and in, in florida was you know the guy that you would look forward to seeing every day and mm-hmm. and then i think i was you know i remember the movie miracle on 34th street where all of the postal workers deliver the mail to chris kringle in the courtroom and save his uh his his jingle ass from from uh from the the gimbals or whatever so oh yeah oh my god our postman growing up Juan in Naperville Illinois if anyone knows Juan he had a pretty decent route he was like the best guy to the point where our dog Audrey who was like such a curmudgeon would try to throw herself into his truck Like, she was willing to leave our family and be whisked away with Juan because she loved him so much. And she was a sweet girl, but she, you know, she didn't like kids. She didn't like me a lot of the time. But, man, did she have a huge crush on Juan. And Juan was so good that he he forged an alliance. You know, dogs and, and, and postal workers are supposed to be natural enemies as determined yep. by God in the universe, but Juan built bridges. He did. He totally animal did. Animal kind. So, well, so my story, let's get to that after we hear from another sponsor. Nightmerica is brought to you by Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have one of its fiercest fans, Mr. Lawrence Talbot, an actual werewolf from London. Right, love. Cheers for having me on, although I prefer lycanthrope. The whole WW word is a bit unseemly. Although I should also note I have been an American citizen for a while now. Ah, so that would explain that almost indistinguishable British accent. Anyhow, Larry, I'm surprised you're in wolf form, even though there's not a full moon elf. That's right. Well, I used to view my condition as a bit of a curse, what with all the hair everywhere. But with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and its durable skin-safe ceramic blade, which has small teeth, unlike myself, I can be quite the dapper wolf with my crown jewels, if you will, remaining secure. Now I actually prefer to stay in wolf form permanently. Pardon me for saying so, but you have a lot of hair. It must take you forever to groom. Most certainly. It takes quite a bit of time. Thankfully, the lawnmower 3.0 holds a 90-minute charge, so I have all the time in the world. And with the built-in LED light, I can even see on a moonless night as I as I trim my... My dolly bits, my undercarriage, my John Thomas. Right, right, we get it. Wolfman's got nards. And with Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0's waterproof technology, you can even clean up in the moors on a rainy English or American night. It's perfectly splendid, isn't it? And speaking of moors, I still do enjoy taking a bite out of the occasional backpacker. But with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, any passers-by that comes close will only smell the aroma of the freshest dangly bits. But don't take our word for it, or even that of a gentleman lycanthrope. Because with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 20% off a Manscaped order and receive free shipping. Head to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA, and you can check out their anti-chafing boxer briefs, weed whacker nose hair trimmer, and crop cleanser hair and body wash, all from... Wolf Manscaped. No, only from Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. Okay, well, my story takes a little bit of a different 
tact, I want to head on down to Tennessee, down to Jellicoe, Tennessee, in Jellico? particular. Jellicoe. That's a great Jellico, name. Tennessee. Like a Jellicoe and cat. Not Jelly. That's Jellicoe, right? Oh, this yeah. Is Jell- I don't know. I forget. I, I mean, I never really liked the, the play Cats. I don't but. either, but Seth Rogen live tweeting while high to the Cats movie is the best thing on the internet. I, I did see that. That was pretty good. I don't know if I would agree with the best thing, but it's, you know, it's good. I mean, the internet's pretty pretty big. Mm-hmm. But it is good. Jellicoe. Jellicoe, Tennessee. So it, the, it gets its name, or is named after Jellicoe Cole. So this is a this is coal country. The town itself is approximately twenty two hundred people, so it's pretty small, very small, right on the Kentucky border. What are you pouring? Whiskey? Tea? No, oh. I heard it being poured, and it sounded a lot like whiskey. And maybe we should have some some good old whiskey since we're talking about Tennessee. Yeah. 20, approximately 2,200 population, Jellicoe. It's also, geographically, the Elk Creek flows nearby, and we're situated in the Cumberland Mountains, and that's going to come into play. Right near the Kentucky border, like literally right near, so much so that the Knoxville Focus, a publication, calls Jellicoe the first town in Tennessee. Because it really is. As soon as you cross the, the border from Kentucky down to Tennessee, there you are, Jellicoe. The town itself dates back to the 1780s, according to the Knoxville Focus, and was partially settled before the Treaty of Teleco gave up Cherokee ownership to that mountainous region. Um, questionable about how, how much choice they had in that matter, the Cherokee people. But during the Civil War, the Jellicoe area was a muster ground for the Union Army with the Confederates holding Cumberland Mountain to the south. So, all that is sort of backstory on Jellicoe itself, but let's talk about the Jellicoe Post Office, right on Main Street of this tiny town. It was built in 1915, And the first floor was a post office, and the second floor was part of the U.S. Bureau of Mines. Again, this is coal mining region. And in fact, engraved on the building, the name is listed as Post Office and Mine Rescue Station. Hmm. So this, I should say with this, there's, I, I, reached out to a source in Jellicoe and conducted some interviews on this so to verify a lot of these things because there's a lot of data that's that's a little tricky here but this building this post office built in 1915 is huge for such a small town town of 2200 people now in addition to being the post office and then at one point being the working with the Bureau of Mines, there was a train in July 1944 and it was carrying troops. And, you know, this is during World War II, carrying troops. Now, there was a train accident and a lot of people were injured and died. And it was so, the wreckage was so horrible that initially, according to my source, initially they thought this was a terrorist attack. But it was not. It was later confirmed to be a malfunction. And now there's a marker along Highway 25, which runs through Jellicoe, that memorializes this. Now, the story is that after, in the wake of this accident, troops were brought to the basement of the post office either to receive care until they could go to nearby hospitals again there is a hospital there but again at that time you figure still going to need to transport those troops elsewhere but the other story is that bodies were also held in the basement 
Now, according to what I was told about this, that that's the, the rumor, the legend, and that some people also died during their time in that basement. There is sort of a defunct website called Haunted Jellico that repeats a lot of these legends and claims. So it doesn't make it automatically real, but it seems to be part of the lore of Jellico. Also, there was a story, and I've seen this pop up a little bit on the internet, I've, and this seems to be a repeated claim, that a postal worker committed suicide in the building many years ago, which is obviously very mm -hmm. sad, and I don't want to make light mm -hmm. of that. But I have it through my own research that this was a previous postmaster that once he retired he did indeed kill himself but did it at home and not mm. at the post office now it is pretty general knowledge that this post office around Jellico, pretty general knowledge this post office is haunted or believed to be haunted some of the things that are heard are phantom footsteps, sort of silent murmurs, and even the sound of a mail cart rolling on its own. Now, mm -hmm. it's worth noting that what's interesting about this post office is, again, it's quite big. Well, the lobby of the post office is open 24-7. So you can go in there at any time of the day, do your mail business, you know. 3 a.m., you decide you want to mail out that uh, manifesto you've been working on, <laughs> you can do that at the Jellicoe Post Office in the middle of the night. So that's when the a lot of these experiences are said to occur. Now, I want to repeat some of the things, again, from Haunted Jellicoe, the website, that one person wrote in and said that they went to get their mail late at night and heard movement coming from the back, the locked off area, called, nobody answered. They figured they, was, they were being ignored. But then the next day, the workers said nobody was back there the night before. Nobody was sorting the mail. Another person says that the service window in the lobby was closed and obviously all the employees were gone for the day, but they heard footsteps on the staircase and it sounded like someone was right there that felt like they were being watched. And that there was a stamp machine that also went crazy and started shooting out stamps. According <laughs> to this person, they didn't even bother picking up their mail. They ran away. I say, well, okay, it's probably the honest thing to do not to steal stamps from the U.S. Post Oh, I totally office. would steal the stamps. Shouldn't do it, but it's quite tempting if the stamp machine is shooting things out, maybe the ghost wants to give you free stamps. Maybe the ghost paid for the stamps. Another person said, you know, they were interested in these claims, paranormal claims. So they went in and heard a security guard upstairs and saw this shining light and then later found out that there was no security guard at the post office. And then you, you hear about... Um, people that are paralyzed with fear because they feel heaviness in the air. One person said that they heard a female laughing upstairs. There's been a couple claims of a women voice up there, uh, but don't know what the connection is with the research mm. there, like who the, the women woman might be if there's a woman specter. Yeah. But, and one person said that their grandfather always talked about this location and it being haunted and that one night this grandfather went to drop his letter into the out-of-town slot and then heard something behind him and he looks around and his letter is laying on the ground, which sucks. <gasps> it's like, no, you're not, you're not mailing this one. <laughs> Return to sender, bitch. Uh, That's the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this other person, you, you figure that in a town like this, a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that may have lived in this town for generations 
Uh, so one per person wrote in saying that when their mother was a little girl, she went in the post office and saw a lady standing on the stairs wearing out-of-fashion clothing. And when she went to speak to the lady, she vanished in front mm -hmm. of her eyes. And for that reason, the mom would never go back into the post office, which is inconvenient when you need to mail something. Yeah. Especially when it's pretty much the only post office in town. And then another person said they were driving by the place late at night and saw they were stopped at a red light and saw what looked like a lady who had fallen down the stairs and they they ran inside to try to help but nobody was there uh, and that they even reported this to the police now oh my god that that tracks with one of the haunted jellico talked about what they believed was an experience with a female ghost and that they had picked up a voice that sounded like an EVP that sounded like he's coming upstairs, I believe. Mm. And that led them to believe that the story of the woman or a woman falling down the steps was perhaps connected to that. Hard to mm -hmm. say that's their interpretation. I will say that my source tells me of a story that they were connected to of more than 10 years ago where a person was working alone on a Saturday and this was during the day and heard a crash that was so loud and significant that they thought the roof was itself caving Ooh. in and they called the police and the police showed up apparently According to this, they showed up with their guns drawn, which if it's a wow. cave-in, I don't know what how, how that's going to help. But <laughs> pew pew. But when yeah, like take that infrastructure, <laughs> take that compromised ceiling. But anyhow, so when they went to check it out, there nothing had happened. Now this is, and it should be noted that this upstairs is vacant. This upstairs area is vacant. Mm. And the whole town right around this, you can go on Google Maps and look at the Jellicoe Post Office. It's a pretty quiet area right around. Well, you can't tell based on Google Maps whether it's a quiet area, but it looks like a pretty quiet area. There's not a lot happening around there. There's an auto parts store and like a dollar store across the street, but not right on top of it. This is a freestanding building. So I would imagine you, you could really, there's not going to be a lot of noise pollution or contamination if you're going to be doing a paranormal investigation or if you're hearing a noise in there it's not going to be someone next door because there's no mm -hmm. real next door so pretty sleepy sleepy and quiet area now the person that I, that I spoke to said that they don't necessarily believe in ghosts they feel pretty comfortable there but constantly throughout the years has filled a lot of questions and that a lot of townsfolk just sort of take it as common knowledge that it's supposedly haunted oh in the basement the basement itself can't verify the whole notion of the bodies being held down there but it's currently used as storage and they said that it's quote the gloomiest place you could ever go maybe not because of paranormal elements but because of deterioration and every time it rains if basement floods ew so it's really kind of gross and crumbly down there now a couple things i want to connect to that is i mentioned earlier the mountains the cumberland mountains and mm -hmm. also the elk creek of course one of the classic paranormal theories is that mountains have a lot of minerals in them especially these mountains do have a lot of mineral deposits so that has been theorized to either record paranormal activity or kick it up. And also flowing water is typically associated with paranormal claims. That's why so many mm -hmm. towns on the water, well, maybe not why, but so many towns on the water are noted to be haunted towns there's also a lot of history on those areas because yeah. civilization sprouts up around water but flowing yeah. water is typically associated with paranormal claims mm. and in the 
And who knows, with the basement itself, it'd be curious, because if they actually have some sort of mold or whatever down there, and I don't know, I'm just speculating, but they have some sort of mold down there, that can also be connected to a potential, well, belief in paranormal activity, because mold can can mess with your, your, your mind and senses a little bit, and you can kind of, um, you can essentially, like, hallucinate things that are not there uh so mold is typically connected to paranormal claims as well as far as debunking them but interestingly i like i like this story because it's just sort of something new to me and um i was able to confirm some of this stuff through some research and some you know making some phone calls down there in jellico so that's the the tale of the Jellico haunted post office. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, S- I like the stories. The, I- the idea of the mail cart wheel like squeaking down the hall for some reason like that gives me a lot of goosebumps. That feels very eerie. Yeah, it's like here's the junk mail that will. <laughs> You can't escape from. <laughs> Do you want to subscribe to this magazine? $60 off this meal yeah. kit delivery service. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I hate the I hate the mail. This is what would haunt me. Like like already I feel like it terrorizes me. The mail that looks like it's a check and then mm. you open it up and it's just an ever like, you know, some sort of gimmick like Yes. Or or even like return labels that get sent to me. Like my college sends me return labels all the time. And like, I don't know. I don't want this. Like, oh, I would kind of like return labels. I don't, no one sent me any. I would like some. Well, my address uh, is like long to write out. I can send you mine, except that'd be pretty weird. Um, Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, the ghost cart, the cart, like, yeah. the sound of just that squeaky wheel yeah so i yeah i I do find that that kind of creaky wheel notion a little creepy creepy and creaky well before we uh get out of here should we talk about our paranormal pop culture suggestions of the week what are you what are you checking out Let's do it. Well, last night I watched a movie that popped up on my Netflix called Dark Skies. It's with um, that stunning actress from The Americans. I should have researched this ahead of time. Um, um, she was in Felicity, yeah, Felicity. too. Yeah, Carrie yeah. Russell. Yeah, Carrie, Carrie Russell. Russell. She plays a mother who has a their family is being visited by aliens, mm-hmm. and it it was really good. Um, I liked it. It's not like typical, like creepy alien, like weirdness. I don't know how to say it, but like it felt more real. Like it felt like, oh, this could happen to you. Um, So I definitely recommend that on Netflix. Um, And then selfishly this week, I got to be a guest on one of my most favorite podcasts, Happy Hour Gets Weird. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, um, you can check me out. We covered... uh, famous serial killers getting caught which is always rewarding so that's a selfish plug for me the the dark skies yeah i Mm -hmm. I remember when when that came out i interviewed jk simmons who was in the movie he was also famously uh, played j jonah jameson in the sam raimi spider-man movies and Hmm. may and will again play uh j jonah jameson in the new spider-man movies but so yeah, it was it was good and it, it has like a it's without yeah, I don't want to spoil the movie, but there's some interesting takes on mm-hmm. the abduction story and I believe it's a Blumhouse movie too. So Oh, is which, it? So which They're they often good. do they not all not always. Oh. Not always good, but <laughs> but they more often than not, do some interesting stuff. So, what Blumhouse yeah. movie do you not like? Let's record it on the podcast for the public. Yeah, let's tell Jason Blum. <laughs> let's call him up, Bloom Blum, and tell him what I don't like. 
Uh, no, not going <laughs> to do that. I knew you wouldn't answer that. <laughs> yeah, because I have to Career work in this suicide. world. <laughs> yeah. And overall, I mean, I legitimately, I would, I would legitimately go work for Blumhouse because I think they do some really interesting, not, they do interesting movies, but they also have a great formula for, for putting out movies that are profitable, but fairly inexpensive to make. And, and you see that they're putting money into either here's a couple notable names or stars or they're putting money into sort of like an effects budget or production value mm-hmm. and they're but they're not trying to do all of those things all of the time so they're man- yeah. they manage to be a, a very effective and cost effective um production so so I just got, this is weird, I just got an alert on my computer that I'm supposed to be boarding a plane right now. Uh, this is how <gasps> weird 2020 is. is I, Where I were you am, supposed to go? I am supposed to be going to Michigan Paracon in Sault Ste. Marie, oh. which, very sad not doing that, but hopefully we are, I think I'm rebooked for 2021, and hopefully we'll be back to traveling. It's, it's a great event. This is, this is a good plug for, go to, look, you got time. Go check out Michigan Paracon. It's an amazing paranormal event set in a casino, which is also fun. Great. And Sault Ste. Marie is also Bigfoot country. And, oh, my God. And the coolest thing about this event, you have time, too, to plan ahead for this. Yeah. The coolest thing about this event is just how sociable it is. Like, there's some events that are where you, you know, it's set in a haunted location, which is fun, but this being set in a casino it's just like you go shop you see lectures and then you know all throughout the day and at night you get to hang out with quote-unquote paranormal celebrities and lecturers and authors and everything it's it's a really 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 fun event i i'm that's super fun disappointed i'm not gonna i'm not there right now but very excited to be there in 2021 anyhow my recommendation for paranormal pop culture this week is well I did speak to the to the director of the movie host and I had previously mm-hmm. spoken about that movie on on this podcast and it's a quarantine filmed movie and I was able to it's very creepy it's it's very effectively done and it's definitely you know taps into the zeitgeist of the pandemic, but spoke to him for denofgeek.com. So I would say, check that out. But I would also say, and you might be into this, there's a new podcast called American shadows and it's a bi-weekly podcast and it's a history podcast. It's, it's a, I think a joint production with stuff you missed in history class, as Mm. well as, Grim and Mild, which is the company mm-hmm. of Aaron Mankey, who does lore. Mm-hmm. Love Aaron yeah. Mankey. It's awesome. And, He's great. And American Shadows is this dark history, dark American history podcast. So it focuses on things like uh, the conspiracy to steal Abraham Lincoln's body or <gasps> oh my um, God. some strange, like, murders or just lots of odd he's not Aaron's not the host of it but he's one of the producers of it so a lot of like real lore and real weird history of America that's exciting Aaron Mankey really knows what he's doing so I cannot wait to listen to that I really will download it I would say that Aaron Mankey does know what he is doing and um yeah unlike us (laughs) unlike (laughs) unlike us we know what we're doing. Uh, hey. Now. Well, you know. Well, I don't know. I feel like we can't end on such a <laughs> self-deprecating <laughs> note. I have to say something good about the podcast so people we're come so back. We're so funny, guys. We're going to have so a great have Patreon episode. Final tasty tidbit where they're like, ooh, me. I got I to gotta get some more Nightmarica in my belly. 
right after this, you know? Yeah. So people do that. Yeah. Well, what are you going to give them? Well, Your eyelashes? My weird mutant eyelash that's grown out of the <laughs> top of my Watch eyelid. our Instagram to see a picture of Aaron's eyelashes. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> Pardon my language. No. There is no way. No yeah, way. normally you yell at me for swearing too much, but you've sworn twice this episode. Well, I didn't fully get out the F word, but... Okay. So, I mean, I All guess, right. you know, it's like sort of like uh, there was the old rule in movies that you... I don't know if it still applies, but you could get like one F-bomb out and still be a PG-13 movie. Reels? Huh. Yeah, that was sort of this, this rule of thumb, so... You could also show a lot of violence and and whatnot and still have PG-13. You know, it was MPAA is a very strange thing. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, thanks for, uh, hey, I think we can stamp this, this podcast episode dedicated to the U.S. Post Office is signed, sealed, and delivered. Go buy some stamps, support the USPS, and hey, vote. Vote, vote and often. Just kidding. No, no, no not often. Just, That's we're illegal. not supporting voter fraud. Yeah. <laughs> Going to get us on a government watch list. I will. If you like Nightmerica, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Nightmerica. And consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on social media and share this with your friends. And if you'd like to share your paranormal stories or even seek paranormal advice, which is for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.